Well, good morning, everyone. As Garth mentions, uh, yeah, we're going to be spending the next year here uh, doing a practicum, and so we're, we're both, uh, Victoria and I, are looking forward to uh, that a lot. We're from Grunthal, um, and I spent the better part of 10 years there. Uh, but before that, uh, I grew up in Regina, so going from a, a big, big city uh, to Grunthal was quite the culture shock um, in many ways. Uh, I've learned about lots of beautiful people, and uh, I've, learned about, I've learned a lot about the Mennonites, who are quite literally all around me. Um, and that was a, a whole new experience. So growing up, we, <laughs> we did not, I didn't really know anything about the Mennonites. And so it's, um, it's yeah, I've, I've learned to really uh, love uh, the people in our community. And um, yeah, and we're very, we're very much looking forward to spending this next year getting to know uh, many of you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know your leadership team a little bit more. Um, as we are discerning in what the Lord would have for us. Uh, Jason has been, Jason and I have been talking a little bit about uh, how you guys have been going through Proverbs this summer. And so I'm looking forward to spending the morning in the first few verses of Proverbs 30. And so I encourage you, if you have a Bible with you, uh, to follow along with us. Um, and so let's get started. Uh, in the beginning chapters of Proverbs, we are given an image of wisdom being portrayed uh, as a woman. Uh, but not just anyone. This woman is someone who we are told to seek after with everything that we have. In chapter 3, 14 to 18, it says that she is described as being better than any gain from gold and more precious than jewels. She is described as a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, and those who hold her fast are called blessed. Later in chapter 4, verse 8, it says that it's a, it's a father speaking to his son, and he's challenging him to prize her highly, speaking of wisdom. And she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. All throughout the book, wisdom encourages us to seek her out with everything that we have. And as we get to the closing chapters of Proverbs, we're introduced to a new character. His name is Agur. And we can actually summarize Agur's thoughts in these verses as depravity, dependence, and desire. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these words, and we're going to see how they play out in these verses, and then we're actually going to look at them again um, from a different perspective. So starting with depravity, Agur is faced with this incredible dark time in his life as he reflects on his existence and his own knowledge. He experiences a real existential crisis as he reflects on the lack of wisdom and understanding. But who has this wisdom, he says. Where is she? How could I even begin to grasp the one who holds all wisdom, especially since this holy one has ascended into heaven and has come down? Who is able to gather the wind in his fist? Who can wrap the waters of the earth in a garment? Who has established the ends of the earth? How could I even begin to understand this? 
In a world where everything spoken is questioned and doubted, how could we find any wisdom? What are we to believe anymore? My wife and I watched this documentary a while back uh, about how the things we search online are tailored to what we want to believe. For example, there was a conspiracy that was working its way through uh, social media called Pizzagate which claimed that the, there was an American pizza chain that was secretly fronting a child trafficking ring. Now, the conspiracy eventually concluded that it was a hoax, but not after nearly a million tweets were, uh, were tweeted uh, in one month using the term Pizzagate, and a man was arrested after driving hundreds of miles to one of the restaurants and opening fire in the building in order to investigate Pizzagate. So how did this happen? Well, after a few people developed a lie, it became greater and greater until all it took was one Google search of Pizzagate that caused the algorithm on their phones and computers to change. People who once didn't know anything about it were now receiving articles and posts in their social media that was changing how they viewed reality. Telling them that this was happening and that this was real with convincing Photoshop-manipulated photos to prove it. What is true? What can we rely on? In verse 5, Agur finds the answer. In a world changing in facts and in truth, verse 5 says, every word of God proves true. Our God, he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He's going a step further as he speaks of God as holding not only the word of truth on his lips, but these words cause us to find rest for our soul in the safety of his shield. Agur is the model reader for Proverbs as he shows his listeners that it is only through the word of God that we can find wisdom that will last and that will matter. And in light of this truth, in light of the entirety of the Proverbs message, Agur actually makes a request to God. He says, two things I ask of you. Deny them not before me, before I die. First, that you would remove falsehood and lying from me. And not that you would just remove it from me, but that you would remove it far from me. What is he saying? Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. First, what Augur is desiring, desiring is a heart that does not deceive. And second, and here's, here's what gets really interesting. Augur says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me the food that is needful for me. The NIV translates it, give me only my daily bread. Why would he say that? Well, verse 9 says, 
lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal from you or and steal and profane the name of my God. Agur is saying, Lord, I long to live a life that honors you. And I know that this means purging my soul of falsehood and lying, removing in my heart what displeases you. But also, I know that it means intervening in my life and providing for me what I need and nothing more. Agur is summarizing some of the key points that Proverbs is trying to make. And it's evidence that the wisdom of God has penetrated his heart and revealed what is truly important. Why? Because not only does he ask the Lord to remove far away falsehood and lying in his life, but he also asks the Lord to not give him riches. And I can honestly say that I do not make that request very often in my life. But what an important thing that he's trying to say. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Lord, may I never come to a place where I think I don't need you anymore. Help me to find contentment. From verses 11 to 16, Agra begins uh, expanding on what it looks like if, uh, to lack in the requests that he's made before the Lord. We're not going to read verses 10 to 14, but what he's doing is giving us some examples of what it looks like for those who are known by their falsehood and lies in their life. And those traits have completely defined the kind of person that they have become, overtaking an assortment of areas in their lives. In verse 15 and 16, Agur talks about this idea of riches more and the temptation that commonly follows this. And that temptation is living in a, with a posture of always seeking more and never being satisfied. He gives us a few images to think about. In verse 15, he talks about this leech, which was an image of greed because of the blood it sucks through its two suckers. The leech has two daughters, explains Agur. Give and give. This worm cannot help itself but consume more. Then he goes on and gives us four more images. Three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. First is Sheol, which was the name, uh, the Old Testament name for the afterlife and the land of the dead. It was a place that never ceased in receiving the dead. The second was the barren womb who feels the ache of her emptiness and what often feels like unfulfilled promise. The third is the land that's never satisfied with water. An image of a dry and desolate place that just soaks up any bit of water it gets but produces nothing from it. And the final one is the fire that never ceases to say enough. It's easy for us to relate with this as we reflect on some of the fires that are going on in the world right now. The other day, as I went outside, I could smell the smoke in the air from the fires up north. These fires that seem relentless and all-consuming. These images here that we see, they are not great images. 
they are not things that we get excited about. Um, and at the same time, Agur is causing us to reflect on wealth in our life and what it means to have enough. What's interesting about these images is that they all have to do with death. There is no life in it. And that, Agur is saying, is what the pursuit of riches leads us to. The thing about Agur's requests, removing falsehood and lying and giving me neither poverty nor riches, is that this seems like an impossible task to achieve. I can't help but picture climbing up a hill during a rainstorm, only able to get to a certain point until slipping in the mud and sliding to the bottom and starting again. Agur's requests, they're, they're great things to aspire to and to long for in our lives. But I can really resonate but I can really oh. oh now we're gone oh he's telling me it's on my end okay okay can you hear me everyone hear me okay all right I'm just gonna keep looking at you Simon all right okay <laughs> Agra's requests are great things to aspire to and to long for in our lives. But I can really resonate with Paul's language in Romans 7 when he says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. I want to do good and to live a life without lying. I want to have a life that's defined as a man who's chasing after wisdom with everything he has, who seeks contentment with what I own and gratitude for what has been given to me. But there is something going on in me, in us, that's like this, this raging war within that seeks to destroy us. And all of a sudden, I see myself feeling just like Agur felt at the beginning of this passage. Weary and worn out, because I know the tendency in my heart toward falsehood and lying to get ahead. And I know that although finding contentment in what I own is good, I would much rather think about how I can get more I start seeing the depravity in my heart. What's interesting about the effects of sin in our being is that they're actually not unlike the images of the things that are never satisfied. It truly is like an unquenchable fire that destroys everything that we have, leaving us desolate and without hope, empty inside and producing a continual supply of death all around us. So what did Agur do? And what are we to do? We recognize our depravity and we can move towards dependence. This dependence on the living word 
that every word of God proves true. Not only is God's words truth, but it is also transformative. Because God took his word and gave it flesh and breath. In the beginning of John's gospel, he says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus came to this earth, he took the word of God and dwelt among sinners. Agur recognizes that God's word is truth. For us, we recognize that his word is truth and his word is life. And this living word within us, molding us and shaping us into the image of Christ, is what matters. Colossians 1 says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins it is by his strength working in us through the powerful and beautiful holy spirit who is creating in us men and women who are without falsehood and who have contentment. This beautiful work in our lives is producing in us this kind of life that Agor requested from the Lord, not by anything we have done, but by the incredible work that is being done for us. It is in these moments when we can look at our sin and bring it before the Lord, knowing that it has been covered by his blood. In these moments, we can reflect on what we have and what we don't have and echo Paul's words in Philippians 4 when he says, I have learned, what it, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every and any circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. It's fitting that near the end of Proverbs, we find the character of Agur without hope as he's attempting to seek out this wisdom that we've been learning about all throughout the book. And he just, he he can't understand, he can't get there. And it's only by recognizing that it's actually through God speaking to him that he is getting that. As we reflect on the entirety of Proverbs, Agor is in the proper posture as we think about wisdom. And that posture is that wisdom is not found in anything else but God alone and through his word. And that wisdom is living and active, piercing through the hearts of mind and revealing our sin and desperate need for a savior. The world's wisdom, it serves to use our sinful behavior and greedy tendencies as a starting point for its own gain. 
But biblical wisdom starts with Christ. Removing in us the sin that tangles and manipulates and transforming our hearts to beat again. And as the Lord shapes our heart, molds it, tears it apart, transforms it, our desires begin to change. Our prayer life changes, our requests change, and they become filled with gratitude and confession and intercession for the lost. So what's the wisdom that you're seeking out today? For those who call themselves followers of Christ, how are your desires different than that of the world? When we look at Agra's requests to remove falsehood and lying and give me neither poverty nor riches, in what ways have you been seeking, have you seen the Lord work in your heart regarding these? In what ways do you still your do, sorry? In what ways do you still see yourself bogged down by these? As we close this morning by singing uh, the song "Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me," I want to challenge us to really reflect on this in your life. May it be your prayer and cry out to the Lord. And it may be, for some of you, a time of thankfulness that you can look back on your life and say, thank you, Lord, for how you have removed this falsehood in my life. And thank you, Lord, that you've helped me to find contentment more. Whatever it may be, may our prayer be, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Amen.